faithwire.com. Americans trapped in Afghanistan. Are they going to be left on their own? Today's Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. And I want to welcome in regular listeners from CBN News' Daily Rundown. Join forces with them. We'll be here each Wednesday. I'm Dan Andros, and we'll have this story and more on this podcast, the 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. That's what we do here on this podcast. And joining me today, as always, Trey Gons Phillips from Faithwire.com with a quick look at what's coming up. What's going on, Trey? Hey, happy hump day, yes. Dan. Yes. Uh, so uh, <laughs> coming up on the podcast, we're going to talk about a doctor in Mobile, Alabama, who says he won't care for unvaccinated patients suffering from COVID. And uh, to put it lightly, the backlash has been pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, you uh, think. <laughs> so then we're going to talk about uh, New Zealand and Australia. Apparently, they're not big on freedom over there. I, I don't know <laughs> no, what some of the it's details. Nuts. It's not. Yes. Yeah. It's wild what's going on there. Uh, and then uh, three ways that you can give uh, to help persecuted Christians in Afghanistan. We know that's been the story of uh, of the week. Yeah. It might end up being, honestly, the story of Biden's term in office yeah. at this point. Um, so that'll, that'll be a good update, too. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get to that shortly. But we're going to start here with the details on story number one, which is, of course, Afghanistan. And... Well, the UAE confirmed that uh, the president of Afghanistan had fled the fled to their country uh, after leaving in the wake of the Taliban ta- uh, takeover. The U.S. has not announced any plans to evacuate Americans in Afghanistan who are trapped there, uh, especially ones located outside of Kabul, uh, according to a report from yesterday. This comes as more reports of violence from the Taliban are coming in, including uh, where they accused two men of theft and then paraded them around town uh there was images of them with their faces tarred and nooses around their neck and they were sort of walking them around town with a cheering mob uh officials from various departments have said they do not know of a way to get americans trapped there in afghanistan through taliban checkpoints located outside of kabul the location of the main airport this information was backed up uh, by a powerful interview today on, on Fox and Friends this morning as an Afghan-American citizen, who, an American citizen, but he's Afghan-American, uh, who had a few weeks ago traveled to Afghanistan because his father-in-law was sick and they went to ca- help care for him uh, and visit family there. And so then he got trapped. And so he tried to leave and was turned away by the Taliban at the checkpoint. And uh, take a listen to uh, some of his interview uh, on Fox this morning. It's going to be like, they don't let people get closer to the gates, but no one wants to say, hey, I'm an, an American, I want to go in. So for my safety, for my family's safety, which is already our safety is at risk. We don't have safety anymore. We're all done. I think my family, I'm, I'm trying to get my family out of here, both my parents and my father-in-law side they've worked with americans for nine years serving mm. the security supervisors supervisors guards and all that stuff and they don't they don't deserve this to stay in afghanistan and deal with taliban so yeah heartbreaking interview there he's trapped there and the taliban's telling him uh nope can't go and um obviously nervous given that his family seems to have worked with and helped americans he's an american citizen who's an afghan i'm sure they would view that as kind of traitor you know traitorous 
Uh, U.S. Yeah. Senator Tom Cotton's office, they set up a hotline for Americans, uh, including those who are essentially trapped behind Taliban lines. And he said, the situation's dire, but we'll do everything in our power to help keep you informed and to help get you out. That was in a message to them, uh, the people there. Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, was asked by a CBS reporter if U.S. troops will be pulled from Afghanistan before all Americans and Afghan allies are out. He said he would not comment on hypotheticals. Uh, This was one point of contention that Donald Trump brought up during his interview with Sean Hannity last night, and he responded to accusations from Biden that this mess happening right now in Afghanistan was basically Trump's fault. And so during the interview, uh, Trump commented on a number of things. He said Bush's decision to go into the Middle East was one of the worst in our country's history. He was famously kind of opposed to the invasion from the beginning. Um, and you know, he argued that the Middle East wasn't better off now than, than it is 21 years ago. But when asked about what he would done differently than Biden, uh, here, here's what he had to say. We would have hit them very hard. Again, the words are conditions, plural conditions based. It was a, an agreement where actually we wanted to get out by May 1st, and they violated the agreement, so we didn't. It's a great agreement from a lot of different standpoints. And frankly, Biden didn't have to even go by that agreement. He could have done, look what he's done to the border. We had the greatest border, southern border, in the history of our country. We stopped drugs, we stopped human trafficking, we stopped people from coming in, prisoners from coming in. Now you'll have, I mean, you have the worst people in the world. They're emptying their jails into our country. This is like the southern border, but it's handled even worse. Nobody handled the southern border worse than him. We had the most secure border we've ever had, and now we have by far the worst border we've ever had. Well, Afghanistan is the exact same thing. It, to think of this, we have a military. It's holding it. You know, I got it reduced down to 2,500 soldiers, and they were doing a good job. It was fine. It was a smaller force. I took it down from close to 20 to 2,500, and we were fine. But we have the military there, and we take the military out before we took our civilians out, and before we took the interpreters and other, we want to try and help. But by the way, I'm America first, okay? The Americans come out first, but we're also going to help people that helped us, and we have to be very careful with the vetting because you have some rough people in there, but we're going to help those people. But can you imagine, now what we were going to do just very quickly is we were going to take the military out last. Okay, last. The people were coming out. They were going to come out. But the agreement was violated, so I held things back because we weren't going to do anything. Again, conditions-based. So there was some of Trump's comments there. He, he went on but was talking about the agreement that he made uh, with the Taliban and um, talking about how he was very clear with them and said that um, he would be forceful and that they would not be happy if uh, they broke this agreement. And so that's when he picked up there and said that he would have hit them, hit them hard. So uh, so there's Trump's comments there on Hannity last night. Uh, also, another interesting angle emerging, Trey, from this uh, as the Taliban is assuming power is media outlets grappling with uh, a couple different things, including the fact that Donald Trump is banned from Twitter, but the Taliban are not. The Washington Post explained it this way in a lengthy piece about this. The answer, analysts said, may simply be that Trump's posts for years challenged platform rules against hate speech and inciting violence. Today, today's Taliban, by and large, 
does not. Oh, that's that's quite something there. Uh, the Taliban was asked actually about free speech, um, how they were going to handle that in their rule. And they actually said, why don't you go ask Facebook about that? They're the ones censoring people. Um, kind of an interesting burn there that uh, Facebook gets burned by the Taliban and there's a lot of truth to it actually. But the striking thing is the seriousness in which the Taliban's being taken like Reuters reporting on how UNICEF wrote that they're quote, quite optimistic after the Taliban commented on including girls in education and women uh, and being more open and inclusive. Oh, and, you know, you kind of got to wonder what is making them optimistic about anything else that's going on there right now. But why does it matter? Obviously, this is a mess. Trey, you know, Americans, Afghans who helped Americans, Christians, women, they're all trapped there under the Taliban. As we saw people desperately trying to escape, there's still thousands and thousands of people milling around the outside of that airport there trying to find a way out. And so um, I know you have a report on different ways we can help people trapped there coming up here in yeah. a few minutes but but aside from from that too we definitely need first and foremost just to be praying i mean these these are people going through one of the worst possible uh situations imaginable yeah i just I, it's hard to fathom what exactly is going on right now and i have to say so we did talk about dan the other day uh, clarissa ward the cnn mm -hmm, reporter mm -hmm. who, who got a whole lot of flack yeah uh, for the way she worded one <laughs> one thing and I, I remember in the podcast you mentioned yeah you know, we, we got to keep in mind that she's she's surrounded by taliban yes. people who she doesn't know are, are they good are they bad are they going to hurt her or not whatever when she said that uh, they're, they're chanting death to america but they otherwise seem friendly <laughs> uh, so she got some she got some hits for that um, but she's got a new report that's uh, circulating on social media right now. Uh, she just has done some heroic coverage of what's going on there. And it's really hard. We were talking about before we started taping just to understand what's going on when you're in the middle of it and you're on the ground there in Kabul and, you know, surrounded oh. by all kinds of people. And you don't know who they are. You don't know what their intentions are, what their motivations are. Um, so one, just kudos to her, I want to say for the reporting that she's doing, uh, out of, out of Kabul because it's incredible work and it's stuff that I think people need to know about, yeah. about, you know, what's going on. Um, but it just, the more we learn about this, the more I just think we just look so awful the way we handle this, oh. uh, completely. And the white house is just, uh, I don't know. It just has it, it. It has made the administration look like they have no idea what they are doing. Yeah. Uh, and and it's also you know I will say as far as Biden and the and Trump's comments, it's obviously easy to say something when you're no longer the president. Um, so it's easier for Trump to to make the comments that he's making. But he certainly seems to have a point in that the military should have been the last yeah. ones out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why we didn't just reverse the order there. It, it <laughs> seems like that would have been. Uh, like Trump was saying, would have been the obvious thing to do uh, rather yeah. than try to let me pull everybody out all at once and then we'll just see what happens. Yeah, yeah, no, it defies logic and uh, it's very frustrating uh, to see that and you, you see these people that are going to suffer because of it and it's, yeah. it is, it's very sad and just seems so unforced. It just seems so yeah. unforced and necessary. And just real quick about Clarissa, yes, I have, I have reported from Iraq and Iraq, this is when ISIS was still there in certain parts like Mosul and um and, and other areas and and it's it's unnerving to be out there and and when i was there it was relatively safe you know you had peshmerga you could be with the government wasn't collapsing you know there was yeah. certainly there was unease with isis around but uh 
I where she is, it's just complete insanity. I mean, Taliban yeah. just running around, shooting off guns everywhere, a country collapsing. Like that is actual madness to be reporting from that. And I think, you know, to sit there and criticize from you know, not that she's above criticism. Like, of course, you can criticize things you're saying, but you really gotta. Sure. You really gotta give her some some slack here because of because of where she is. It it is insane, and I think until you're actually in that situation and you can just feel the chaos, uh, it's it's difficult to really be overly harshly critical of what anything she does there. So, um, yeah. You know. So anyway, so like you said, kudos to her for for being out there and 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 reporting as best she can from from the field. So. Yeah. So, I mean, reporters like Clarissa and, and others at other networks, they've got some guts for being there. That's <laughs> definitely that's for sure. No doubt about so, it. All right. <laughs> Story number two. So a far cry from the Hippocratic oath uh, to do no harm. There's one physician in Mobile, Alabama, who's now refusing to treat unvaccinated patients if they contract COVID-19. So here are three things we need to know about them. We'll start with number one, uh, the details. So Dr. Jason Valentine, a physician at Mobile's Diagnostic and Medical Clinic by Infirmary Health, he first made the announcement in a Facebook post that he has since deleted. Uh, The post included a picture of Valentine pointing at a sign that read, effective October 1st, 2021, Dr. Valentine will no longer see patients that are not vaccinated against COVID-19. That's already bad enough, uh, but uh, it, it gets worse. Uh, so in the post, uh, which he shared to his personal Facebook page, uh, Dr. Valentine added that his reason for refusing unvaccinated patients was that COVID is a miserable way to die, and I just can't watch them die like that. So he's decided that he wasn't going to care for them. Uh, so apparently, though, uh, according to Newsweek, at least three people uh, were prompted to get vaccinated uh, after seeing his uh, his callous Facebook post. <laughs> uh, so, you know, take that how you will. It's worth noting that Alabama has only a 36% vaccination rate, putting that state at the bottom of the country in terms of vaccine rollout. Uh, the state's also averaging 3,600 infections per day. And according to some reports, their ICU beds are, are running low in certain hospitals around the state. Uh, So even with that, the backlash against Valentine has been pretty swift. Uh, So Health Freedom Alabama, a medical freedoms advocacy group, chastised the doctor for his pledge. Uh, In a statement, they wrote, this is not only a flagrant disregard for the law, but is an ethical violation of his Hippocratic oath to do no harm. Shame on Dr. Valentine. We need to shut his illegal behavior down now. Act 2021-493 specifically prohibits a business from refusing goods or services based on immunization status, period. If you are or were a patient of Dr. Valentine and are livid over this, let us know and we will provide you with all the resources available to ensure Dr. Valentine answers for his crimes. Uh, so one of Valentine's Facebook critics before the post was deleted asked him about people who have type 2 diabetes because they've maintained an unhealthy diet for years, uh, a choice they made, uh, arguing that it's presumably the person's fault, uh, but would he refuse them treatment? The answer conventionally would be no, he would not refuse them treatment. Uh, the person asked the same about alcoholics or drug addicts uh, or people who have uh, uh, bad diets and end up with high cholesterol and are more prone to heart disease. He said all of these things were choices these people made and presumably you wouldn't deny them care. Uh, why is this any different uh, was, was that critic's uh, argument. 
So number two, here's my observation. This is just crazy, Dan. I mean, a, a doctor whose very job it is to tend to people who are sick is refusing to tend to people who are sick because he doesn't like the choice that they made. I mean, at a certain point, it just becomes like they're sick and you are are equipped with the intellect, the know-how, the ability to help them. Uh, you know, according to, to all the standards of medicine, it is your job to step in and, and do that. Uh, right. So, you know. Yeah, could you imagine? What if, is it? Could you imagine if ER doctors adopted that same mentality? And it's like, well, right. like so, a gang member gets shot and comes in, and he's bleeding out, and you go, "Well, you know what? You shouldn't have been in those gangs." So, see you later, going yeah. home. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, well, you know, it was morally reprehensible for you to be in the gang, so you know, it is <laughs> right. what it is. Right. <laughs> uh, so, let me see. Number three, why does it matter? So, we're just getting deeper and deeper, I think, into our own corners, and this is just another example of that. As Christians, we have a responsibility, of course, to rise above that, to be informed as best we can, and to approach subjects like vaccination with open hands, uh, willing to change our mind, uh, you know, with more information as is necessary, and you know, after consulting our doctor and, and making decisions that are best for our health, uh, and then above all else, not demonizing someone like this doctor is, uh, not demonizing someone else for the decisions that they ultimately make about their lives and for themselves. You can try to persuade them. I think that's fine. Uh, there's, you know, one I've referenced him before, uh, Dan Darling. He's a, a kind of a well-known Christian writer, at least on, on social media. Uh, he's the vice president of the National Religious Broadcasters Association. He's written a piece at USA Today, and he was just on Morning Joe this morning, talking about why he thinks people should get vaccinated. But he said on MSNBC this morning, the, like, the shame game from elites is not going to work. Yeah. Uh, and this kind of stuff that this doctor's doing, he didn't reference Valentine, but this similar kind of stuff is not effective. This is not going to convince people to get vaccines or get vaccinated. It's just going to pe get people to dig their heels in deeper. And it's just, as far as this doctor's concerned, that's just crazy to deny health care because you don't like the fact that they didn't get vaccinated. Find yeah. another doctor would be my recommendation if he is your doctor. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, it's defies logic and like you said yeah. i think i think you i think you put it right about we're getting deeper and deeper into our own corners people are making these moral um sort of choices and decisions to i think act immorally yeah. based on these sort of political viewpoints well i think you should get a vaccine and so now i can shun this group over here because they don't agree and they're bad like that's just what the social media way of doing things bleeding into real life looks like it's it's crazy yeah yeah no it's just, and I, I i can't help but think that we're going to pay for this kind of stuff down the <laughs> yes. line uh you know obviously they're going to be the the immediate ramifications and consequences of of what people like valentine or whoever does but also i just think there's going to be spiritual ramifications to this kind of stuff like mm -hmm. that it's just it's so heartless and it's unkind and we're turning human beings, people who are made in the image of God into just issues to agree with or disagree with and toss aside as, as we choose. Uh, and I think as, as Christians, we just have a, a serious obligation to set aside some of those differences and realize like, first and foremost, let's get the ground rules in place. You're an image bearer. I'm an image bearer. We have innate value regardless of what we believe yeah. and let's move up from there. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think we'd be able to do that, and let's pray that we can because yeah, not going to be pretty if we can't. So no. All right, let's uh, let's go right into story number three here, and a bit of a COVID nineteen update. Um, 
Australia and New Zealand are off the rails, the Delta variant spreading rapidly, and a booster shot will be coming this fall, most likely. So those are a few we're going to go through real quick here. First, the booster. Uh, health officials in the U.S. and medical experts released a statement this week um, saying that booster doses of COVID-19 vaccine will be offered this fall, as subject to authorization uh, from the FDA and the CDC. The statement said that we're prepared to offer booster shots for all Americans beginning the week of September 20th and starting eight months after an individual's second dose. Uh, at that time, the individuals who are fully vaccinated earliest in the vaccination rollout, including you know healthcare workers, nursing home residents, the at-risk, those people, they'll be eligible for a booster first. Um, and then they're also going to begin efforts to deliver booster shots directly to residents of long-term care facilities uh, and things of that nature um, as the rollout of these uh, boosters happens. So um, this this comes the booster announcement as we've got a bit of a spike going of new cases and August is seeing the most cases since we saw in for a month back in January and February of this year. So a uh, pretty good spike going on right now and the Delta variant accounts for more than 98.8% of those cases. Again, still very few of those are actually breakthrough for people with the vaccine. It's mostly people who have not gotten the vaccine that then get the Delta variant. Uh, daily, uh, while the numbers of cases have spiked, the deaths have remained uh, relatively low. It's gone up a little bit, but not not nearly what it did in previous spikes before we had uh, the vaccine. So, um, so first thing here, Trey, I want to look at is New Zealand. Um, after we're yeah. you know after the <laughs> Delta variant, now we can look at what's going on in New Zealand. The media described it as their first coronavirus outbreak in six months. So what is their outbreak? Seven people. Yes, seven. Um, Their prime minister there imposed a strict lockdown after the very first case was reported and the lockdowns at least for three days for the entire country. Uh, Air train bus travelers will need to um, mask up the rest of the year and into mid-January. That's Back here in America, the Biden administration is saying that they're expended, expected to extend the requirement yet again through January 18th, 2022, is according to several reports out there. And so now moving over to Australia, government officials told citizens they couldn't remove their masks to drink beer outside. That was a recent <laughs> restriction that they were detailing. It's just insanity. And a viral video today shows that a 12-year-old girl got pepper sprayed by several police because she and her friends were detained for shopping without a mask. And so they're sitting there. All these cops kept showing up and the girls were obviously upset and were just kind of freaking out a little bit and then got pepper sprayed. So let me, sorry to interrupt. No, no, go for it. Yeah. Pepper sprayed and detained for not wearing a mask. I mean, like what horror. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I mean, just a criminal. She needs to, she probably needs to be locked yeah. up. I just think like, it is just otherworldly uh, to think how quickly we've devolved into just like, for a lot of people, we, you see these stories just like, meh, just another day. Just like, another but, day. Yeah. Can you just step back for a minute, pretend 2020 didn't happen and just imagine <laughs> how crazy this sounds. Yeah. So yes. sorry to interrupt. No, no. And I, and I think, 
you know, it is just complete and total. I mean, at what point does an officer go, yeah, I didn't sign up for this. I'm not pepper spraying yeah, some kid. Exactly. Like, go get your mask on. We'll we'll see you around. Like, just, yeah. you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, um, but why does it matter? I mean, I, the list of updates that we went through there, obviously going around the horn a little bit, going to America, going to Australia, New Zealand, Delta variant, et cetera, those updates there to kind of get you up to speed. But why does it all matter? Well, I mean, it feels like it's starting to get into that dangerous territory as it pertains to freedoms. Like, Yes, there's a rise in cases, but as we said, the overwhelming number of those are unvaccinated. People made a choice, as we were talking about earlier. Um, oh. And, you know, so that's a risk they're taking. It's their choice. But now we're just, the, the real concern there is these arbitrary reactions. So, oh, a line goes up. Oh, got to do something. We got to start pepper spraying the teens if they don't wear a mask. Mm. And those are just arbitrary numbers and you know again the uk had a recent spike uh now it's back down again so uh, will the same thing happen here uh, you know we'll see time will tell but the bigger concern about that is hey look just keep making your case if you want people to get the vaccine keep making the case you've got to yeah. win it that way you can't win it by just saying you know what We've, you've had your chance we're forcing it that's where um freedom becomes in in you know an endangered species yeah, and the idea, the goal that we have here of uh, the unstated goal, I, I, nobody is saying it out loud, but it's the way that our actions are oriented uh, is we're, our goal is zero COVID, which is an insane yeah. goal. Like yep. it's it's never going to happen. It's I mean, it, it is uh, outside of a, a, the miraculous work of God, which is a believer I know to be possible. But outside of that, it is virtually impossible that we will ever get to zero COVID uh, in the country, much less around the world. Um, so, but but the fact that so many of our government officials and our corporate officials, whatever, they're operating from that premise is wild to me uh, because the, if you're operating from that conclusion or that goal, then there's always going to be an argument for more lockdowns because, yeah. well, there was there's one or two cases, so we got to lock down until we can get those under control. And people just kind of get used to this cycle of uh, my freedoms will be restricted in, in this month for <laughs> these couple of weeks, and then I'll get back again. Uh, and then I just wonder if we see how successful this is, uh, which I don't actually think that much of the data proves that a full lockdown is that successful, no, yeah. but um, if it did, or not that that really even matters uh, to a lot of government officials. But it's like, why not just extend it to the flu uh, and to all kinds of other stuff? Because, you know, that's that, that's the best way to keep us all safe and keep anybody from, from assuming any risk. And I just think that we have gotten ourselves into quite a quagmire by creating these completely unattainable and, and ridiculous standards. Yeah. I mean, we should never expect to have zero COVID. I've read a couple different pieces from epidemiologists and medical researchers uh, infectious infectious disease researchers who have said COVID is basically just here to stay. So it's just, you know, <laughs> be vaccinated, don't be vaccinated. That will change your outcomes if you do get sick. But the fact of the matter is, is COVID's not going anywhere. Uh, so so we need to just kind of figure out how do, how do we pick up and just, you know, move on and learn to live with it. Uh, it seems that these kind of lockdowns is not the answer to how we learn to live with it. No, nope, but it seems to be the one they're pushing. Yeah. All right, story number four. So religious freedom advocates are sounding the alarm as the Taliban's power grab in Afghanistan all but guarantees the persecution of Christians in the country will only intensify. Uh, so here are three things you need to know. We'll start with the details. 
Uh, several evangelical leaders and faith-based organizations have called on the U.S. to take in Afghan refugees. Uh, this is what uh, several leaders wrote. Some of them were, were leaders of the National Association of Evangelicals, Bethany Christian Services, World Relief, uh, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the SBC. Uh, they wrote, as Christians, we believe that each person is made with intrinsic value in the image of God, and we cannot treat any person's life as expendable. Uh, in their letter to President Biden, they went on to say, there are many other Afghans likely to be at risk of persecution under Taliban rule, including Christians and other religious minorities, women and girls who have who have pursued the opportunity for education and other associated uh, others associated with the U.S. presence in Afghanistan who may not qualify for special immigrant visas. So International Christian Concern, they're an advocacy group for persecuted believers, said this week that religious diversity is not possible in a Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. Before the U.S. invasion in 2001, ICC wrote, the Taliban's brief rule was marked by extremism, violence, and discrimination against religious minorities. All activity deemed against Islam was monitored and banned by the Taliban regime, and the oppression of women hit all-time highs with the Taliban's strict enforcement of their version of Islamic Sharia law. Uh, ICC went on to say that while they don't necessarily think uh, the, the level of persecution is going to, to, to become greater because it was already so awful, uh, pre the U.S. invasion, they do think that the number of believers who are going to be persecuted is going to go up because there are simply just more Christians there now. Even though they're in hiding, the, the Christian faith has grown in Afghanistan, so now there are more Christians to be persecuted by the Taliban, uh, and that's the fear that a lot of uh, advocacy groups are are kind of sounding the alarm on. Uh, so number two, here's my observation. Look, as Christians, we're not called to just talk the talk and, and say the right stuff. Uh, we need to put our actions, uh, put actions to our words when we can, uh, you know, and couple that with prayer because that's that's the primary thing. Uh, as believers, Dan, you talked about that earlier. Yeah. Uh, there, there's nothing... Uh, there's nothing that God uh, does in this world outside of prayer. We prayer plays such an integral part uh, in how He uses believers, uh, and, I, and I, I can't stress that enough. But we are all part of the same body of believers. We're all part of the church. And when we're seeing our brothers and sisters in Christ suffering in Afghanistan or Haiti uh, or China or whatever country it is, uh, that's as if it's happening to us because we're one body of believers. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, we just need to be aware of, of what to pray for specifically, and then if we've got resources, how to help specifically. Um, so uh, instead of why it matters, let me give you a few uh, a few places to give, because I know it can be tough to figure out where to give. Yeah. Uh, but here are three great organizations. There are several more. This is certainly not exhaustive. This is just three uh, that we came up with uh, to help persecuted believers in Afghanistan right now. Is Open Doors USA, uh, the Voice of the Martyrs and International Christian Concern. And all three of them work with the U.S. government, with the U.N., uh, trying to eliminate persecution by bringing them as much data to prove that Christians are being persecuted. So they're, they're doing legislative work uh, to try to, to legally help them. Uh, through through the you know the, the legal uh, auspices, but also they work with humanitarian and religious liberty groups that are on the ground, like people natives who are on the ground in Afghanistan and Haiti and China, you know wherever else, uh, trying to give them immediate relief uh, where necessary. But uh, I believe it was the ICC. They spoke to an Afghanistan uh, a pastor in Afghanistan, yeah. Dan, who said. Uh, you know, we we don't necessarily all want to leave. Uh, we believe that God has called us to be here for such a time as this. Uh, we want to continue to spread the gospel. We just need the resources and 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 help. 
Um, so those are three great organizations that you can partner with if you want to go over to faithwire.com and check those out. Another good one is Operation Blessing. I know CBN, yeah. uh, CBN's charity. They do a whole lot of work. I'm not certain what they're doing in Afghanistan right now, uh, but I know that they, they're doing a whole lot of a whole lot of good around the world, uh, and and I'm certain they'll help where they can. And I know they're doing a lot of great stuff in in Haiti. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And um, I think you mentioned Samaritan's Purse is always a good good one to yeah. go to as yeah. well. Um, definitely for stuff in Haiti, and um, I, I'm not sure again what they do in Afghanistan, but but if you're specific about Afghanistan, those those three that you mentioned are uh, indeed uh, good good routes to go in addition to your prayers. So, yeah. all right, that is all the time we have for this Wednesday episode. As always, head on over to faithwire.com, cbnnews.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Keep up to date on everything going on. It's definitely been a crazy week, and it will continue to be crazy um, <laughs> with everything going on in Afghanistan, Haiti, and around the world. So. Thanks for being here. God bless. We will see you back here again for more news tomorrow.